Hello and welcome to another episode of the Being Heard podcast. So this is the final episode of the first round of 10 episodes that I have decided to release and the journey continues. I've got other interviews booked in and first and foremost, I just want to say thank you so much to everybody who has tuned in and who has listened and been present and offered their feedback on this path. It's been pretty illuminating, to say the least, and has really uh, brought me so many learnings and a deeper connection with the herd as well, which has been something that I weirdly actually didn't see coming. It's also allowed me to sink into a deeper discipline of getting stuff done when I don't want to and meeting deadlines and, um, yeah, continuing on, like, how do I say this? Not continuing on what I've said I'm going to do, but really standing by my word for myself and others. And I considered myself somebody who does that anyway, but when I'm put to the test or when I'm challenged in a way that means there's a structure of time that I feel is quite limited, I can sometimes straight outside the lines. So yeah, that's also been pretty nourishing for my system, even though it's been hard at times. So today is a solo cast. It's just me. And there are a few things that I would love to talk to you about or share based off how life has been for me since releasing the first episode and what's been going on and some things that have been coming into my mind and heart and body let me start off with the fact that it's the middle of winter right now and uh, we are in 2024, in January 2024, and it is super dark outside right now and it's about four o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> this time of year, I feel, is really representative of that phrase by Lao Tzu, which I love so much, uh, which is, have the patience to wait until your mud settles and the water becomes clear. I feel that Winter is that for me. It's it's like this drawing in of energy into my my body in a way that seems to have a mind of its own. And yet when I really tune into it, it's actually the mind of nature and the mind of my inner nature, which just becomes louder at this time of year, ironically, in the silence, right? Because everything is more silent, you know, it's, especially in the Northern Hemisphere, like we're really just being called to be in the dark and to, to hibernate. And I know this is very obvious for those of you listening who are connected to nature and follow the cycles and the rhythms. But for some reason, as the years go by, I feel this more and more. And this year I'm really noticing it because 2023 was just so busy for me and so much external focus and so much pouring out of my energy that I guess this is one of the things I wanted to share. So I'll kind of slide straight into it. So I went to Mexico recently at the beginning of December and intuitively I was like, why am I going to Mexico? Like, why am I going to go? Which sacred site am I going to go to? What can I learn? Um, that's the way I tend to travel. I love to engage with the place that I'm in from quite a mental perspective, I guess, uh, and definitely an energetic one. And this trip was just about me resting. And 
I was speaking to a friend before I went and he asked me what I was going to do in Mexico. And I was like, I'm just going to go on holiday. And and he said something that just kind of opened up this permission for me. He was like, yeah, that's the more you claim that, the deeper into the experience you can go. And it was interesting to me how even even saying that I was just going away on holiday and that I wasn't going to be doing something or giving my energy to something or creating or, you know, externalizing who I was, I was just going to be in a space of rest and recuperation. Uh, just that kind of flipped this, the switch on my energy beginning to come in and beginning to come inside and become more central within my being. So I went to Mexico, went into this, wasn't very long, it was just 10 days of like deep rest. I literally got there and didn't move. <laughs> I just went swimming in the sea as often as I could and just lay around. And um, it was really, really interesting to experience what moved through me at that time, because what I noticed was it was like, I was saying my intuition was like, you just need to go and do nothing. Don't do anything. Don't book any trips. Don't literally go anywhere. And as much as I was kind of fighting with that a bit, I, I couldn't do anything other than surrender to it at the end of the day. Cause it was, I felt like I, I had given so much of my energy away to other people, the horses, my dog, <laughs> uh, my projects, my clients. And I had not forgotten about myself, but I'd forgotten about the process of healing through rest. And I'd just been carrying the concept around without really putting it into practice. So in this cocoon that I created for myself, but that also the land created for me, um, Mexico, for those of you who haven't been there, it has this beautiful, depends where you go, I guess, but it has this beautiful feminine energy about it. I was in Tulum and, you know, there's lots of um, cenotes, like sacred water, spaces around there and I just allowed the water to to hold me which is actually quite an interesting thing when you think about it because water is so fluid and so adaptable and such a an amazing conductor of energy and yet I felt like I was held like I was solidly held as though I was in the womb so I was back in the space of of rebirth and nourishment. But in order to get into that deep space, I also needed to go through a death process of allowing things to move through me. And those things were acknowledgements of patterns that I had been exhibiting in 2023 and patterns with the horses, behaviors, thought patterns, um, habits. And it was, it was almost like its own container of um of of like fasting but in a very energetic way I was just like because I couldn't move I didn't really have any energy everything was just pulsing through me in that space but not because my body was moving because energetically it was all moving out and whilst it was moving out I got to observe a lot of um answers from a place a deeper place of inner knowing which was exactly what I needed to then come back home and connect with the horses. <laughs> I'm laughing because I, I always come back to that because they are my, um, they're such an anchor of expression for me. So yeah, to come back home and connect with the horses because what I'd done was in those 10 days, I just cleared out a lot or at least been able to see more than I was allowing myself to before when I was just moving and externalizing so much. So 
to connect with them meant finding a deeper space of presence and quiet and retreat and stillness. And obviously, as I said, that was coming into winter. Now we're really in the middle of it. And and I feel that echoed all around me even more. Yeah, I feel that the call to stillness echoed in, in each day, really. And that's been one of my deepest practices since I got back. I, I now have a a returned reference point as to what that is. And for the first time since I moved here, I can really feel that anchored in my being again, which means that it's reflected in my connection with the herd. And so one of the things that came through in Mexico was this theme of culture versus conditioning. And without going into a really long spiel about that, I was thinking about culture and I was thinking about the English culture and what that is and how, you know, with everything that's going on um, with Palestine and Israel, I was thinking about colonialism and how be, living in England, I sometimes felt this this energy of of almost like a, a deadened access to a deeper sense of immediate culture and essence of, of the country. And obviously the that energy really in England is in the land, just like it is everywhere. But for me to really access that in England, it's done more by going to places that really, really hold that frequency. Because the culture in England, I actually even Googled because I was going off on this big rant about this by myself. <laughs> and I was like, what is the English culture? Like there just isn't any, you know, is in modern, not just modern culture, but what have we taken and what are we actually exemplifying now in our day-to-day -day lives? And I Googled it and the culture, the English culture that came up was like tea drinking, which of course originally came from China and pub lunches and cider. So I was through my own judgments, like pretty unimpressed with that. And what it actually spurred me to do, of course, was to look at the deeper layers of if I'm not feeling that or finding access to that, then, um, what am I going to do about it? You know, like how can I find it? And how can I, as, as an energy being, how can I tune into the one source of like true culture that we all have, which is the land and the planet? How can I tune into that? Ideally with the herd, um, not just with them, but also with them. And, um, that got me to thinking about culture versus conditioning in terms of our inward self. I then thought, you know, what's my inner culture versus my inner conditioning? And I spent a few days like just observing that and have continued to observe that in terms of when I have a thought about someone or a reaction to something, or I, I notice a habit of behavior again come up. Like, is that the culture that I want to cultivate within me? Or is, first of all, is that coming from conditioning? And if it is, is that a conditioning I want to keep or is it a conditioning I want to let go of and change? And if I want to keep it, though, can I add that to my internal culture? So in that way, becoming more of a microcosmic cultural essence <laughs> on the planet um, consciously rather than, again, externalizing and expecting myself to, you know, or expecting external culture that's been uh, created by other people to be the source of culture for me on all levels. And so that's something that I just really want to 
share here and, and maybe offer you if it resonates that, you know, every single moment that we're expressing ourselves out in the world and with our animals, with nature. And, you know, again, if I, this is the Being Heard podcast, so really bringing the herd in here. If I just take my behavior towards them and with them, how much of that, how much of my inner dialogue, how much of, the, you know, the thoughts I have, the feelings that arise, the actions that I take, how much of that is conditioned and how much of that is is a culture that's been developed through that conditioning or through conscious choice. And if it is that, like, do you want to develop it? Do you want to keep it? Do you want that culture within you that you're creating to be passed on to others, to be passed on to your horses, to be within you as a framework of, of energetic honing in, you know, because you are like, not an acupuncture point on the planet, but that was what came to mind, but I feel like that's maybe a little bit out there. It's you are a beam of information and of energy and experience of God or source or, you know, whatever words you want to use. And, and everything that you see around you is an expression of that as well. So you also have a choice. Uh, we all have a choice. And, you know, soon, the more we become aware of our, of this, of our conditioning and, it's within our power to unravel that so that we can create like a basis of culture within ourselves, you know, an interpersonal one. And um, so culture in general, uh, through the lens of anthropology, is seen as the shared way of thinking and behaving of a group of people. So that's why I'm really bringing this in, because I didn't mention this before. I was, I did an anthropology course a few years ago, and I think that when it came to, it comes to culture, I tend to look at it through that lens. Whereas of course, for other people, culture is also the music and the art and the language. And for me, it is actually also that, it's, it's also the, the rituals and the ceremonies and the connection with the land and the animals. But from the anthropological perspective, um, this shared way of thinking and behaving, that for me, that, that tie-on is, is more about, okay, well, as a being, as a human being, what is my way of thinking and behaving as an individual? And how, as an offshoot, can I share that with other people around me, which then becomes the collective way, potentially, of thinking and behaving, which contributes to the culture. So, again, in terms of our horses and being with them, this returning to presence and coming back home, coming into my centre and stillness, a lot of these ideas and what I'm talking about here, it does tend to, in the moment with the herd, it does tend to fall away and give rise to something else, which is more of an observation. The movement of energy based off how I'm choosing to be all day, right? And that's another thing that I want to share with those of you who are spending time with animals and getting into the present moment and allowing, I, I wrote about this actually, uh, there's a blog called Presence on my website that you can read uh, if you want to. I'll put it in the show notes of this episode. The more we let our day-to-day -day distractions really dissolve, and the more we get into the present moment, uh, our focus really comes into our body, which expands our energy field, which then magnetizes to us more life force in general, which then in turn goes outward, quote, through us out into the world to connect in symbiosis with whoever we're with. And that could be a tree, the grass, a horse, a dog, anything. 
and that process of being, there's a dissolving in order to get there. And yet when we're in that, there's an observation which happens, which is so like acutely accurate. It's like, what's the word? It's like, um, it's so on point. It's so laser sharp. And that laser focus in presence, even though it's such an expansive feeling, it allows everything that we've been doing during the day and everything that we've been feeling and thinking and behaving before that moment of conscious presence, it allows all of that to, it's like all of that energy moves as well, but it like assimilates into our being and drops down deeper into our body because we are. So then when we say, I don't want to say come out of presence, but that is kind of what happens when like a distraction comes in, somebody calls us, somebody honks their horn on the road, whatever it is, you know, when we're suddenly focused on something outside of us and that space that's felt between the human and the horse or the human, the human, whatever it is, is is shifted in any way. Who you have been up to that point has still been carried with you and gone deeper into your being because you've chosen to in that moment of presence. So what I want to say is that your choice to be aware it makes such a big difference when it comes to being with the horses at this level because it can't not, because it's it's literally like who we are during the day, it can never not contribute to who we are with the horses. And that's a message that I feel has kind of been brought through in a couple of the episodes as we've been going along, like who we are, who we choose to be, how we show up in the world, the choices we make, how conscious we decide to be, the struggles that we go through it all contributes to the relationship with our horses because it's it's us and we can't escape us. You know, I can't, I can't escape myself ever. So when I show up with the herd, I'm showing up as the person I am in this moment talking into the microphone as well. I feel like what I'm sharing is it really just comes from this place of deepening into the dead of winter. <laughs> and um, when... I was feeling into doing this episode, there were a few sentences that came through from the herd that I want to share with you. They said, in the silence, the dead of winter, God is louder. And that God is actually loud in general, but God becomes louder the quieter you get. And what I feel from this is that they're saying that our, our innate wisdom as self becomes louder the quieter that we get. So whatever is being born within us will come naturally, organically, as long as we give it the space, the space, the silence, and to some degrees within that, the natural surrender. So a friend of mine came round to be with the herd the other day. She has a very natural connection with horses already. And she just, she's one of those people who just has respect and she doesn't need to be told how to, how to wait, how to wait for the invitation, how to feel, how to tune in. She's just in it already and it's really cool. And she's not a quote horsey person, exactly what is that, right? But by definition of the equine industry, she's not a horsey person. So that's really cool. So she came around and she said something that really struck me, which was, you know, when she's around horses, she observes and feels how divine they are. 
and um, she kind of got onto the yard and all the horses, some were in the barn and Olympia was outside the barn. And she said, oh, can you just imagine if we just stood around being divine all day? And I was like, it just that stuck in my head because I thought that is what we are doing. You know, that is also what we're doing. We just have a completely different orientation of awareness around it. It was just, it's like we, we've forgotten, right? And this whole life that you have is about remembering. And that doesn't mean that you need to tell yourself or that we need to be like, oh, I'm divine. It's not even about that definition. It's a feeling. It's a feeling of your essence. And what's true for you and of your power and your energy and the energy that wants to move through you all the time, all day in different ways. It's that because that's what horses represent and how they express themselves. You know, if you're a horsey person listening to this, you know, a horse will never tell a lie. It'll always tell you the truth. They allow energy to move through them. As soon as it's present, they don't wait. And so when Claire was with the horses and, and I was kind of semi-pondering that, the message that came through from the herd that I really felt and saw was like, again, just coming back to remembrance. How we are in our existence, in our simplest form, just remembering that we are divine. And she was able to see that in them as a reflection of that in her. And I think that is, it, it's so simple and it's so quick. It was such a quick moment, you know, but does that really matter? Again, like I said, it's it's the energy, it's the feeling in that moment can move everything in us. And that's also, I feel, what being in the presence of horses does. So much energy can move without us seeming to do anything to get it to move other than just showing up and witnessing them and being prepared to be more honest and and humble and curious and energetically tuned in. And for some reason right now, Layla is really coming to mind. Yeah, okay, so so Layla in the herd, she is she's the youngest, she's five, and in some ways I feel Layla and I I definitely have the most well, one of the most complex bonds with her and relationships. It's more of a soul mirror, someone called it once, and that, that really resonates. And when I put that to her, there was a deep yes, that, that, is, that is what it is on some levels, if I was to put words to that energy. It's become harder over last year. It became harder because I was used to inter interacting with her one-to-one. -one, and when we moved here, she went through quite a lot of uh, stomach issues and she, you know, she wasn't comfortable. And... I spent so long trying to figure out what it was and and she went through lots of different shifts physically of course they just got to a new place that affects horses a lot she had to adjust she had to ground all those things um but what that meant was that our relationship really changed and it took me I mean the good part of like 10 months to just accept that and get on board with it um, rather than seeing it as something that was wrong and that I needed to get back to that place that we had before and that, you know, putting a lot of meaning to something that it was just and is just an expression, 
you know, and it's her expression and just, it took me a long time to be with it. So anyway, when I was in Mexico, that was one of the things that also came through of this, this rest and this replenishment. When I took that to her, what came through was doing um, 21 days of devotion to her in terms of like showing up every single day and which I do that anyway with the horses but this was different this was like just focused on her regardless of whether she uh, was moving away from me or not or you know was reactive I just would be there and and I wouldn't let that move me away if that makes sense so what would happen is she she would not want me to be in her space and then I would feel triggered I would feel um, like she didn't want me and I wasn't wanted and I wasn't doing enough. And all of these different emotions would come up in me that, of course, are all valid. And um, those are the things that I need to work with in order to actually get our relationship to a place that is more uh, like energetically balanced. So that's what I've been doing. And it's continued. Of course, it'll be much longer than 21 days, I feel. But it, I just needed to break through this feeling of, oh, God, I just can't do this. That was what I was in and it just felt so sticky and um, apparently necessary. So I've been showing up every day and just being with her. And the, the, what's happened is the coin has literally flipped from one side to the other. Just through being present um, and also reading her energy. So, of course, if I'm going uh, into her space and the invitation is very much for me to back off. Then if I do that and I give her space and there's a lot of energetic reading that goes on in that sense. But still just focusing on being present with her, even in that process. And I hadn't done that. And I haven't done now, had to do that with any of the others. But I've done that, you know, when I used to work with young horses, I would do a version of that when I was still riding and things. So I've done um, like an adaptation of that before with horses that I've trained, but never with a horse who is within my family, who has just been like, you know, so not wanting me in their space and so um, protective of her own space and needing something that I've really needed to figure out how to give her. So through this presence, there were these deep shifts that happened where I could feel her so palpably, I could feel her energy, her heart, her essence, her soul, that it just completely blew me open. So in moments where we would be standing together, where she would kind of, uh, she would accept me into her space and then I would be in presence and she would come into presence with me. I could feel her, it's the best way I can describe it. I wish I could give you more like uh, elaborate, specific words but I could just feel her and I hadn't been able to feel her like that for a good part of a year. And regardless of the time, it was just in that moment, her power was, and it still is like when I feel it, it's so crazy magnificent. <laughs> it is, it just blow, it blows my mind out of the water. So all I can do is be in my body. And her power, her presence has the ability to do that. And when it comes to a soul mirror, in that, in those moments with her, I feel really uh, humble. I feel quite small, actually. I feel like, wow, I'm so kind of full of this energy and overwhelmed with it and so appreciative and grateful that it's there. And then 
I notice there's a part of me that also feels like I don't want to accept that as a reflection of a power that could also be in me, which I find really interesting. Not as, quote, my power, but as a reflection of energies in terms of if I feel it and I see it in her, it must be in me somewhere. (laughs) And um, that's something that I've been feeling into (laughs) over the last, definitely the last couple of days, the last few weeks or week or so. And um, it's been an incredible process of finding her again, finding each other again, and, and in a way finding a mirror of my soul again in her. So that it just shows what's possible in the simplest of forms. You know, it, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't need to be me training her, obviously. I know we know that, but even at this stage on my path with them, that's still a conditioning I'm coming out of. So this this newfound depth of connection through presence with her in like the frequency and the texture of it being with her, that's a culture that I choose to cultivate within me and that I want to pass on to to other people and energetically within my field to the environment. And so with that being said, I also want to read to you a... Um, a sentence that came through the other morning uh, that I put in my journal, um, which is really doing the work means subscribing to the truth of self-reclamation, not as an idea or a concept, but as an experience felt in the body. In this way, we feel the essence of wholeness rise up encase us in its power and bring love home to the body again. And so to do that, we have to go through, I don't want to say we have to, but we end up going through inevitably the gnarly, (laughs) uncomfortable feelings of anything that is before that. Anything that has kept that self-reclamation and that rise up of wholeness from existing. And when I look at it energetically, that's, that's all, it's all part of the expression of being human, you know, is, is letting energy move through us. And as horse people who I, I'm making a big assumption, but you know, anyone listening to this podcast I'm sure either has an interest in horses or is around horses on a regular basis, potentially. So as horsey people, we know that we need to let energy move because horses are doing that, like I said, on a moment by moment basis. So to respect them and honor them and give rise to a deeper connection, we need to be able to sit within ourselves enough in presence and stillness and the darkness of winter and the silence to find And not even to find by seeking, but to let move those uncomfortable energies because they'll rise naturally when we give them the space to, which in turn guides us towards that self-reclamation. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I could probably keep talking, but that's the bundle of energy that I want to share today. And I hope that it's been helpful or 
yeah, helpful or maybe illuminating in some ways for anybody who's listening. And in terms of the podcast journey, uh, like I said, I have some interviews coming up. Um, so I'm going to take a break for a couple of weeks while I get those sorted and give myself the space and time to still be in winter and focus on this expansion of my center and making sure that I can continue to find it um, moving into spring. So yeah, thank you so much for listening. 